What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Sammy Arriaga over Zoom video. Sammy was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and he talks about how he got into music. He was always singing in the chorus and the choir, and around 14 years old, he picked up the guitar and started to learn Spanish guitar. He was always a writer. He used to just jot stuff down, which ended up becoming lyrics. But when he got the guitar, he was able to put these lyrics to chords and melody, and then he started writing his first songs. He became really into country music around 10th, 11th grade. He moved to Nashville to pursue a career in songwriting. He talked about getting an opportunity to go to Beverly Hills to write for a Latino artist that landed him a publishing deal. When he got back to Nashville, he wrote a record, eventually left the deal with the label he was on and started releasing music on his own. Within the past two years, he became really fascinated by NFTs and just dove into that world. Recently, he's been tokenizing his music and he's been selling them as NFTs. So he gets real deep, deep dive into the NFT world and basically shows you how you can make money on your songs right now as an independent artist with no label, nothing. And he talks about the song Metagirl, which is the first one he has released as an NFT and how it sold over $250,000. You can watch our interview with Sammy on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Sammy Arriaga. What's up, Sammy? How are you? Hey, good morning. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm here at the W Hotel in Nashville. Oh, very cool. I'm in Nashville South as well, <laughs> or South of Nashville, I should say. Oh, no way. Where at? Uh, Williamson County by Franklin area. Oh, dude. Awesome. I, I love that area. That's where I'm going to retire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, well, it's so peaceful. Um, yeah. You, so you live in Nashville or you're just staying at the W? Uh, I li- I've been living here for 12 years now. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what a place to live. That's so cool. Yeah, man. I love it. It's perfect for what I do, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Awesome. I love Your microphone is so crisp. I love oh, it. Oh, thank you. I, yeah. I just use like this DBX um, little compressor. It sounds good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. So this podcast is about you, your journey in music. And obviously, I want to talk to you all about this, uh, the NFTs that you've started and yeah, that whole journey because... Actually, interviewed somebody yesterday who also the, who the I'd never I mean I'd heard of and music NFTs. It's just through one yeah. artist I'd interviewed who this guy Rain, who's a singer of uh, Our Lady Peace, and what he did with the new his new record was you could kind of invest in the songs and own like I guess you'd own a little bit of the the licensing or publishing. So like mm-hmm. if the song did well you yep. would make make money off of that because you're an investor in that song. But yep. the person I spoke to yesterday has has a different concept, and I think it's similar to what you have going on, and I'd just love to 
to hear your side. And then I could kind of, because I just learned about this literally yesterday from this, <laughs> this other artist, it'd be yeah. cool to kind of vibe and see what, see what you're doing and if it compares at all, or maybe it's something completely different. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like the cool thing about the blockchain is like, you can literally do anything you want. I mean, mm -hmm. it's literally your intellectual property and you can kind of, you know, piece it to your, to your liking, you know, you could customize it in infinite amount of ways. So, uh, uh, I've seen people where they fractionalize what, you know, 50% of the master of their song uh -huh. where they'll like divide like a, the 50% of the master into like five tiers, each tier being a different rarity. Um, and based on which rarity you buy, you get a certain amount of percentage back when you, the song gets streamed and stuff. So, um, I mean, and then there's ways that there's artists that are getting full IP rights to their music uh -huh. that they, they're just like saying it's yours. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, I feel like that's the, the future. I mean, it's literally like something that I've considered doing because, you know, for years, it's all it's always been like, how do I keep full ownership? How do I keep full ownership? And now the conversation's kind of flipped on its head. And now, it's the, now the conversation is, how do I give all my rights away to my fans? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like a matter of like learning how to just like master that, you know, and make sure I stay protected and stuff. So I'm just excited for the future, man. It's crazy, man. And it's, yeah. it's so cool to hear. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that for sure. But uh, yeah. first off, were you born and raised in Nashville or are you not from here? No, actually. I was uh, born in Miami, Florida. Um, okay. Spanish, Spanish is actually my first language. Um, I was raised in a Cuban-American household with two strong Latin women. Okay. What you call la chancleta every <laughs> single day to make, to make sure I'm in line. Um, but I'm very... Uh, I'm very proud of that, that, you know, of my upbringing and stuff and uh -huh. my culture. So um, I discovered country music in high school because I, I taught myself how to play the guitar on YouTube. And I figured that country music was like the genre to play guitar. Sure. And so, and I also- Three chords in the truth. Uh, that's right. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. <laughs> and um, I, I figured that, uh, you know, since I love storytelling so much and lyrics and stuff, you know, with growing up with rap and hip hop being so storytelling, uh -huh. um, I felt like the, mar the marriage of the guitar and storytelling was perfect. So I moved to Nashville in 2011 and uh, been here ever since. Wow. Did you, so real quick, so you got into country music. When, when, what age were you playing guitar in, in learning on YouTube? I, I started like teaching myself guitar when I was like 14, 15. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, in like my middle school days, um, I, I, I used to like mainly sing pop and like rap and hip hop and stuff, but it wasn't like my genre genre. I just did it because I loved it. Um, mm -hmm. but like, I knew that music was like my calling sometime around like my senior year or like my 11th year of high school. Okay. Um, and, uh, that's when I really started like taking it seriously and also realizing that country music had a huge void for a Hispanic representation. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, in, in, a not, in a not very diverse genre. So um, I decided to move to Nashville to kind of, you know, represent my culture and uh, try to be the black sheep in, uh, you know, I love the that. farm. So, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So prior to that, you said you were singing pop music and R&B. Like, was that something you were always uh, good at or into? Like, were you in the chorus, choir, stuff like that growing up? Yeah. So I was, funny story. I was, I was in the choir. Um but since I didn't really, I wasn't a choir singer that kind of liked to fit in. I just kind of sang, you know, I, mm -hmm. I let my vocal cords do its thing. 
and the teacher didn't really like that. She was all about like blending, blending, blending. Uh-huh. And I just kind of did my own thing and she kind of grew frustrated and she ended up kicking me out of choir. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And I wasn't even doing anything different. I was just literally being myself. And she's like, you need to learn how to blend in. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I, w- I wasn't, I don't know. I just had my thoughts on that and she didn't like it very much. And I got kicked out of choir. And then I, I ended up picking up guitar class and uh, became very close with the guitar teacher. And he taught me how to play uh, the Spanish guitar really nicely. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I learned how to finger pick and stuff, which is like something that a lot of people don't really like pick up. That's easily. so cool. Yeah, that's something I wish I would have learned. Like when I, I can play, you know, three power chords in the truth. Uh, that's but, all you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I wish I learned that when I was learning guitar. Like I'm always so envious of people that could do the finger picking. I mean, it's just so, it sounds so cool. It's a cool yeah, sounding. Man. It's amazing. I'm just very blessed that I was able to pick up that talent. Um, and uh, YouTube, man, YouTube is uh, YouTube University is the best <laughs> blessing we've ever received. So. Yeah, that's so um, funny. So yeah, man, it's been fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I live here in Nashville still, uh, pursuing music, and country. I still kind of do country music, but ever since the, like discovering blockchain and like Web three, like there's really no genre. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's just kind of like whatever resonates with your fans that's the kind of music i like to make whatever the fans want so mm-hmm. well i'm curious so you what do you start writing songs in 10th 11th grade or 12th grade like how did when did you said like around that time is when you knew that music was your calling at what yeah. point were you was it all original stuff that you're doing was there a moment there was somebody tell you like hell dude like you're so good at songwriting you need to pursue this yeah. as a career you know it's funny because like when you say like what year did you start writing songs it's I guess that's all like uh, if I thought they were songs, <laughs> right? Like, right. you know, I just wrote a bunch of lyrics and that sounded cool and uh, put melody to them. But like, they, I never really finished them. They were just kind of like little rough drafts or ideas, you know? Um, but it wasn't until I moved to Nashville in 2011 that like, I really like solidified the idea, the, the idea of like, I finished the song, like, okay. this is done, you know, um, Nashville's like, life source um and bread and butter is songwriting i mean this Mm -hmm. is a a writing music town um and so when i first moved here i was instantly told like if you don't got good songs you ain't gonna make it right and so and so i had to become a yes man and write with every single person that you know that i met on the street or at an event and just like collaborate and collaborate until i had a huge portfolio so that whenever i had these awesome meetings with publishers and labels that I had something to show, you know, and mm-hmm. I also wanted to have options because, you know, if you have three songs and that's it and they all suck, well, <laughs> right. you're kind of stuck. So, so much for that. Right. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. So, I mean, I just kind of went through the whole like five year town kind of thing, you know, bombarded my schedule with, with co-writing sessions with other writers and stuff. Some that I knew and some that I didn't. And, uh, just kind of built my portfolio that way until it kind of shaped me at, you know, to being the songwriter that I am today. So. Mm-hmm. And with that, were you trying to get publishing deals or did you ever land that type of like success in that sense? Cause I know you're obviously very, very successful on your own as an independent artist. And I'm curious like how you were able to kind of build that fan base and that, you know, yeah. Um, so, um, I didn't necessarily write for that, uh, you know, 
for that reason, like to get a publishing deal, it just kind of like fell upon my lap, which is a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. um, in 2015, I had the opportunity to write for a, a Latin, a Spanish speaking writing camp um, in, in Beverly Hills, California. And uh, it was at the Gibson headquarters at the time. Wow. And uh, I was just put with a bunch of random songwriters uh, and we all wrote for like one, uh, one specific artist. And uh, at the end of the camp, you know, the heads of the, the, or the organizers pretty much like did like a listening party and they chose their favorites. And those songs were, were the ones that were like sent to the talent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, in the process, uh, there was a few managers there that represented some major pop acts. And uh, one of them being uh, a friend of mine, Charles Chavez. Um, he ran an independent company at the time. And uh, it was kind of like an all in-house label publishing management company. And uh, he focused on Latin speaking, like Spanish speaking artists with like diversity, I guess, with different genres and stuff. As mm -hmm. long as they were Hispanic, he was kind of like, you know, going after them. Um, and uh, he came up to me and said, hey, man, I love what you do. And I think we should work together. Let's let's give it a shot. So at the time, I didn't really have anything going on. I was just kind of writing. So I said, you know what? This sounds fun. Let's try it. And so I ended up uh, like signing with him and his company. I ended up doing a, a joint venture with him and Sony ATV out of New York City. Um, it was my first major publishing deal. Um, it was it, it was also in uh, in conjunction with uh, a major label deal out of Nashville as well with Sony Nashville, the record mm -hmm. label side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and so it all just kind of like fell upon, you know, fell in my into my world in 2015 all at once and uh, did a whole project. Um, I, I wrote with a bunch of awesome published writers and stuff. Uh, but I noticed that it just wasn't like the flow wasn't right for me. And I noticed that not everybody understood the, the vision that I had um, moving forward. And uh, it just kind of like did, fell apart a little bit sure. <laughs> like early on. And so looking back now, like a lot of people might be like, oh, that sucks. You lost your deal. It sucks. You lost this and that. But at the end of the day, like people don't realize that in the music industry, sometimes that's a blessing because, right. you know, when you when they let you go, that's like, a, a massive blessing because most a lot of artists have the story of like being stuck to their deals and not being able to get out i was actually in a very luxurious situation where if it, it didn't work out and they let me go right so, and now so, you have the freedom to do whatever I, you want exactly i was given freedom I, I was able to retain my, my my ownership of my music and you know ironically it wasn't until i was let go by the majors that my music actually started getting some traction so, oh, interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. Okay. And when did you start seeing that traction? And, and you said that was when you were an independent artist. And where did you see that yeah. traction, I guess? It, it's, it's, uh, it started like in 2017, uh, around January, February of 2017. I started like putting out like just random songs. Like I didn't even like gauge what genre it was, you know, who I wrote it with who produced it, all that stuff. I didn't like really take, I didn't think about any of that. I just said, look, I love the song. This is who I am right now. I'm just going to drop it. No marketing, no nothing. I'm just going to post social media stuff about it and just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And uh, ever since I started doing that, man, uh, I kind of kept it as organic as possible. That's when people really started resonating, you know, when there's no like glitter and no, like no polish, you know, it was right, just, like, right. straight, straight from the heart. And uh, 
I started just cranking them out every month or every two months. I just started dropping records on Spotify and Apple Music. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the hip hop artist Russ, um, but uh, he is a fully independent hip hop artist as well. And that's kind of the same process that he does is that he just cranks out records every every week, actually, or every other week. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. He's a machine. And so I wasn't able to do that as, as fast as him because it takes uh, a lot of resources to uh, pr produce that many records and videos and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I also didn't want to rush creativity. Uh -huh. So um, I just like every two, three weeks, I drop a new record on like Spotify, Apple Music. And then uh, when, I, when, when the platform TikTok came out and Reels, that's when things really started uh, taking off for me. Um, I would say they're the huge, the, the biggest blessing for any independent creator out there, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Did you have like one of the songs go viral on TikTok or Reels or just it was just like a slow build? You no, know, it was it, it was kind of a slow build, but um, I'll explain. So in April okay. of 2020, I started on the app with some very humiliating dance videos thinking that the <laughs> app was, was strictly for dancers. Right. Um, so I did, I did what I had to do and uh, I did it for about six to seven months of just a ton of videos that would only get about 600 views, 500 views, 400 views, which is still pretty decent. You know, I didn't let that right. kind of dishearten me. But um, it wasn't until December, I would say like seven, eight months in, that I just, uh, I was talking to my friend Ashley Cook, who's pretty successful on the app herself. Um, she taught me a little trick on how to import your audio. Like if like, let's say you have like a demo of a song or like a recording of a song that's mm -hmm. not in the database of TikTok she taught me how to import it like do a screen recording so that i could use that audio over oh, one of my videos got you okay yeah yeah so i was able to like import it that way and i did a, a demo of one of my of one of my old songs that weren't wasn't out yet it was just like a rough demo sitting in my dropbox of a song that i always loved and i, I always had a feeling it was going to do well i was like you know what i'm going to tease this on tiktok it's almost christmas time like who knows? I might get the TikTok gods might reward me. Right, right. And uh, posted the phone up on my kitchen counter. I lip synced to my own demo, put the lyrics, and I put hit the link in my bio to pre-save the song. Da 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 da. And uh, overnight, it got 1.7 million views. Yeah. On TikTok. <laughs> oh it, it was my god. Yeah, insanity. And so I started replying to every single comment, uh, following all my my fans back, and. Uh, that's true. That's really it, man. It's like interaction and uh, just acknowledging your fans. You know, that's really all they want. You know what I mean? And right. so, and so I spent hours and hours and hours just on my phone replying. I was going to say, that's like a full-time job in itself. Yeah, man. It was, which is, it was, yeah, obviously, like you said, a blessing, like, oh my gosh, yeah. these people are following me and they're commenting, like, I'm going to respond to everything. Like, that's yeah, so it was, rad. Yeah, it was wild, man. Um, and it was just all of a sudden from, day, from, from one day to the other, it just became came like uh like my my calling like my new app like my new fan base um so then i just started posting videos every day i made it a daily routine to make sure i post once or twice a day and uh fast forward till today we have a, almost i think we're like 16k away from 400,000 followers on tiktok that's huge Pretty, yeah man it's it's a blessing um and along the way i've been able to meet a lot of other insanely talented creators Mm -hmm. um, and been part of some really awesome creator programs that have allowed me to network with other, you know, 
TikTok uh, influencers with millions of, with, of followers and got got a bunch of information from them on how to grow my, 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 my fan base and my platform. So um, I'm kind of applying the same uh, the same tricks to Reels on Instagram as well, which mm-hmm. seem to be doing better for me than TikTok lately. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, man. Reels is, uh, is, is pushing their platform pretty hard. Um, and so is Pinterest, believe it or not. They have their own version of TikTok. And so uh, I just I I do what's called uh, uh, multi uploading. So like I just like or I multi purpose my videos. So like right, I record right. one one core video and then I just upload them to all the all the platforms, the short form video platforms, and then uh, just kind of like all across the board, just hit upload, 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 and then you know see what of, happens. <laughs> see what happens. It's kind of like fishing, man. It's like you're throwing yeah. the line out and seeing what bites. So that's so rad. And so then yeah. how do you come across or how do you come up with this NFT thing? And like, I'm, I'm sure you had a deep dive into that whole world to kind of figure out how to do it. Yeah. So um, I didn't really know about NFTs until one of my best friends from back home um, who was already very familiar with the space. He just made, he made me aware of it. He's like, look, man, uh, I've been in this space now for a few months and artists of all kinds are tokenizing their music. Um, they're giving out ownership, they're giving out crazy utility. Like the idea of the fan club is like slowly creeping back, but in a digital form. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think based on your following, I think you should definitely consider it. I think you should look into it and study it and see how you can tokenize your music and your music experience moving forward. And so I just love being early to everything. Like as if I find something like in its baby stages, I, I love to find it. You know, I found TikTok kind of in its early stages. Um, and, you know, I kind of figured it out before everybody else, and which, which is really cool. And so I kind of feel the same way about NFT and, and Web3. Web3 being blockchain technology and the metaverse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and cryptocurrencies. Um, so I dove in uh, into crypto early 2020. Um but I didn't uh, discover NFTs until late 2020, like late October, early November. And uh, believe it or not, Twitter is the the hub for NFTs and crypto at the moment. Um, Twitter was kind of like dying out until like NFTs came into play and kind of revived the whole platform. And Twitter came up with this uh, a reimagination of Clubhouse where you can join uh, a live chat room and mm-hmm. um, you can see everybody's profile picture. And so the culture has become where if you're part of like an NFT community, uh, you change your profile picture to the NFT. NFT, right. Yeah. And so I learned that really quick. And so what I did or like kicking off my Web3 journey was uh, investing into different art communities and different what you call PFP communities, profile picture communities. Um, and, uh, I just became part of their village. You know, I didn't come in with, uh, from the, from the rip, like promoting anything or marketing anything. I just, I just joined their village. You know, I kind mm-hmm. of like stealthily, like a Fox just kind of entered their village and just said, I want to be one of you guys. And so I learned a lot through them and I kind of baby stepped my, you know, thanks to them, they baby stepped me into the web three space. And then after three or four months of them, like letting me sing on these Twitter spaces and these chat rooms. Um, I was able to organically grow my fan base um, through these maxis that 
use crypto on a daily basis, you know, buy NFTs on a daily basis. So then when it came time to actually do a project, it was a little bit easier to market it because they had already known of me and kind of interacted with me prior, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of how I did it. I just started with investing into other projects first and building my circles and my community first. And then I kind of presented them with like my product, um, which that, you know, led to me making Metagirl, which is my first blockchain music single. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we dropped that back in, late late february um it was kind of like a yolo project like i just kind of said yolo let's see what happens All right and uh thanks thanks to like the community embracing me so so strongly and so uh so incredibly uh we were able to to sell out in a matter of two mo- a little bit under two months um a collection of 1500 and uh it allowed me to learn a lot about how i want to go about music moving forward on the blockchain and nfts and you know how to become a somebody on the forefront of this whole music, you know, journey and on the blockchain pretty much. So that's so rad. I mean, so you put the song out, you have a community. So then people obviously know you. So then they're investing in you as an artist and exactly yeah. in your song. Okay. Well, as a, I feel like the, one of the perks of being able to like grow my community from the inside out by simply investing into something that they were invested in is they knew me as a person first, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So there's more of a foundation when it comes to like in somebody investing in me or anybody in general, you know, like I feel like, yes, you could be the best musician of all time, but if you're not a good person, people are not going to want to invest in you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that when we see that left and right with media, like, you know, people with hit songs go and do something stupid and it ends up on TMZ. And, and they're then gone. boom, they, and yeah. they're gone. You know what right, I'm saying? So right. Because at the end of the day, the, the core of it all is like, you got to be a good human being. So I just wanted to be on their level, no matter how many followers I had, no matter how many streams I might've garnered in the past, like set, you know, several years, I was on a, on the same level as they were, you know, on this Twitter space, we wore the same profile picture. We stayed up all night on Twitter spaces with our air, with our AirPods in our head. Like we were, <laughs> we were, we were, we all related you know right. so and so that is the i i guess like the the key of it all like the reason why we were able to announce a sellout is because we just spent time with them we acknowledged them and we uh we embraced them you know mm-hmm. in 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 a, in a new way that i wouldn't have been able to do in web2 on instagram and tiktok because the most interaction that i had with my fans on tiktok and instagram were when i posted a video and they replied with love this song and i just replied with thanks so much Right, right, right. That's it. You know, like there's no more interaction on Twitter spaces and on, you know, these chat rooms. I'm able to talk to them on a human level and say, oh, I just woke up, just made breakfast, you know. Right, I'm, I'm right. At the, I'm, I'm at the W Hotel hanging out. Like these are conversations that they're not having with, with their favorite artists. You know what I'm saying? And so right. with the metaverse, you know, coming into play very soon, which is already kind of doing its thing. The fan interaction is going to be at an all time high. And uh, I'm really excited to see how far that goes in the next uh, few months. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, this is the time to get in on all this. It really is. Right, because in the the next two, three years, it's like TikTok now. I mean, if you got in now, the the chances of you gaining millions upon millions upon millions of followers are a lot Mm -hmm. slimmer than they are when you first, if you get in early, right? Mm -hmm. And I was listening to 
an interview with I think the, the former CEO or of Google, I think he was, and he was talking about like how it's really interesting that like social media platforms live in like 10 year uh, sequences. So like you'll have 10 years of MySpace and then like Facebook takes over and then it's 10 years of that until like an Instagram, yep. then it's 10 years of that. And now we're in the, you know, the, the TikTok world. So like to become the, you know, top TikTok person of whatever the next phase is, like you have to start getting in, figuring out where that's going now and jump mm -hmm. in. Because if, if you wait until it peaks, I mean, and that might take you jumping into five or 10 different platforms and maybe one of them will work out. Right. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting because yep. the earlier there, and it's like YouTube, the people that were doing like covers on YouTube when the thing started are now they have Reaching such massive benefits, channels. Yeah. yeah. Because they've yeah. been just building and building and building and, and, and YouTube recognizes that they're like, Oh, you know, this person's been doing this video. We'll just keep feeding those videos back to people like their algorithm. will. And I also heard like with same with like with YouTube too, is like, if you were doing dance videos and you have a big following and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm a singer and I'm going to put the song out of, of you singing YouTube's going to like, wait, wait, what? And yeah. then they're going to, they're going to bury it. Cause it's like, well, that was, yeah. that's not, like, I don't know if that's working. That's not proven yet. Your other stuff's proven. So yeah, I feel like it's it, similar in the TikTok space. And I mean, anywhere, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I have one of my good friends, Cooper Allen. He's got about, he just hit 7 million on TikTok. He's absolutely <laughs> crushed. Yeah. It's insane. Um, he is kind of known for not only like just kind of repetitively, uh, doing these, uh, mashups uh at home he's sitting in his office chair and like his wife will come with a phone and be like hey baby like do a mashup over this like instrumental of like a famous song okay and like it'll be like i don't know like smash mouth like all-star but like the instrumental and so then over the instrumental he'll sing like eminem and he'll sing nelly and he'll sing oh, okay and, that's and cool. so he'll, he'll like mash up a bunch of famous songs over a famous instrumental uh -huh. And so he would just like, he'd do that over and over and over again. And he, he kind of became the mashup guy on TikTok. Like he was the guy. And mm -hmm. now he is announcing shows. Like he, did, he planned a whole tour of like 30 dates and they're all sold out. That's all so crazy. Like, and yeah. And so he, he implemented into his live show, his original songs, but in between every like fourth or fifth song, he would stop the show and go, all right, it's mashup time. And, so yeah. then he'll, and then he'll do, he'll ask the crowd, he'll go, all right, we're going to choose 25 songs. All right. And we're going to start now. The band will start playing like a famous instrumental. And then uh, he'll like point the mic to the whole like audience and they'll go Nickelback. Okay, cool. We got Nickelback. And he'll point at somebody else and go uh, 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 Creed. And like, and then yeah. they'll just like name a bunch of bands and artists and he'll literally like on the spot, do a mashup like that's a random so crazy and so people love that they they, they could say oh my god we custom made a, a, a mashup in live right. in real time with our favorite tiktoker yeah and so like it's getting to that point where like tiktok is now reality tv i tell all my friends that quote you have to treat your tiktok like your channel four like your jimmy kimmel like your jimmy right. Fallon. like treat it like your television channel because people are spending hours and hours and hours looking at tiktok it's their main, like, uh, it's their main platform. They look at it more than they look at their television. You know what right. I mean? Right, so, right. Yeah. 
So you have to look at it like, you know, the algorithm feeds them your videos. So you, when you when you make a video, have that in mind, like, you know, be proud of what you sh what you film and make sure that it's strategic because at, at night when they leave work and they sit down on their couch with their dinner, they open their TikTok, the first thing they're going to see is your video. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what he's doing. He's creating a reality show and, and they know what they're going to get. At uh -huh. 6 p.m. every night, they sit down on their couch. They know exactly what they're gonna get, and it's a massive video. Right. And so that's why, and so that's why he did so well because, like what you said, the algorithm it's like favors those that kind of hammer the same content. Niche, right. Yeah. Niche, yeah. 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 Because they know yeah. that people, they know that they can yeah. serve that video to this market, and then people are reacting to it, yes. so well, they're gonna stay there, and that's keeping people on the app. Like, okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so TikTok's like we're benefiting because people are staying on the app watching all these guys' videos. And yeah. he's benefiting because people are watching him and the you know, consumer is because that's what they want to see. It's crazy. It's like if you do a bunch of blogs about mountain biking and like for like three months and you blow up um, about you're like the guy for mountain biking. And then yeah. out of the blue you go on vacation with your wife and you do a food blog. It's yeah. probably gonna it's probably not gonna work. Right. People are gonna be like, uh yeah, that's cool, but like what have what yeah. like what yeah. what were trails are you mountain biking while you were on this vacation? Yeah, I could care less exactly. that you went and got, you know, sushi at this whatever exactly. restaurant. Yeah, I know it's yeah. crazy. It, but it makes so so much it makes so much sense, but it just kind of it shows that you kind of want to stay in one lane instead of like just trying to jump on any quick trend. I guess you, you can do that until it works, and then if it starts kind of working. You know what I have seen some crazy friends of mine that like they just have so much time on their hands, but like they'll literally chase like five to ten different like I guess trends or uh -huh. ideas. They'll open ten TikTok accounts and they're all about different topics. Like uh -huh. one's about music, one's about dance, yeah, one's yeah, about yeah. this, and they'll just like post and post and post and post until one of the topics blows up. And, and then, then they that's, just, and then that's what they change. Yeah, they can invest. Well, that makes sense because, yeah. like, well, you'll see that on YouTube too. Because yeah. you'll have like my my younger son watches so much like YouTube Kids, and like there will be these families, and then it's like now all of a sudden they have a gaming channel, and like they're he's like I don't understand like why do they have blah 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 gaming now? It's like because that's only going to be gaming videos, and if people are going to them for gaming, they're not going to have to sift through their other channel, exactly. and YouTube is going to just feed that to the gaming kids. Yep, it's, and it's also gonna prioritize like certain gamers in the right. facility in the in the gaming culture. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm curious on the on the NFTs now. So if I'm an independent artist and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did Sammy do this? Like, where would you recommend someone even starts? Like, I have, you know, 1,500 followers on Instagram, and I got six songs, and I, I want to see how do I, you know, how do I put this on the blockchain? And is it even okay. worth their time yet? You know, it's uh, it is, um, and I t and I'll tell you why. Um, again, this might sound dumb, but like Twitter is the hub for NFTs and crypto at the moment. And I know that might sound like wild because Twitter is just like it's been around for years. But um, I learned most of my uh, of everything I'm you know of everything I'm doing on Twitter because these chat rooms are completely free. I mean, you can literally just click on the Twitter Spaces tab and, you know, search the topic NFTs and crypto. And, like, there's always, like, 24-7 live chat rooms of people talking about this kind of stuff. And you can just hop in and listen to people speak and ask questions and, you know, 
you could like write write down notes and you know apply them to yourself and that's kind of what i did for months i just did that i jumped back and forth into different chat rooms and then when i found one that like really resonated with me and like i felt like they would like be cool with me speaking i would request to speak and then i'd be like hey guys i'm a musician in the space like i've been doing music independently for this many years like how do you guys suggest that i do this thing and it's a cool opportunity to like not only ask questions but to connect with very successful people in the space as well mm -hmm. and um you know we're in a time right now like a renaissance era of Web3 and NFTs where no, if there, there are no leaders if you think about it. Yes, there are people that have succeeded in certain ways, but like we're so early that there's no like experts, there's no leaders, there's no, there's just people that are on the forefront of it. That's it, you know? Um, and so Twitter's really helped me out. Um, there's a lot of cool Instagram pages such as like Metaverse. It's just called Metaverse with like a, with an E, I believe, and uh, with a three, sorry, with M3. Three. Okay. TA verse. Um, they have a lot of inf uh, good information that they post daily. Um, NFT now is a great blog that um, you should check out. Um, and uh, I mean, you, you could YouTube, uh, YouTube, uh, like how to buy crypto, you know, how to get a, uh, a crypto wallet. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what I did. And I learned that MetaMask is kind of like the factory, the industry standard. Um, so it's such, so, uh, as well as Coinbase wallet is very common. Um, those are considered crypto wallets. And then as when it, when it comes to crypto exchanges, the, the, the three common ones are Coinbase, Crypto.com, mm -hmm. and Binance. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just it also helped that I have a best friend back home that knew a lot about the space, so I was able to sure. kind of pick his brain about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of a good place to start. Um, the reason, one of the things you brought up earlier about like, is it a good time to start now is, um, if a music NFT artist were to create a piece right now, a limited collection, like let's say of 50 pieces of like, you know, for example, I used to draw, right? Imagine if I drew a collection of 50 like art pieces and I attached music to each and every piece. So it'd be a collection of 50 with art and music. The fact that I made it and it's scarce and it's limited at this stage of my career is extremely valuable and it's and it's affordable because like I can list it for like a hundred bucks a piece. You know what I'm saying? That's oh, five yeah. I could make ultimately five grand, which will allow me to have the cap the, the resources needed to create more music, to create more videos, to progress in my music career. But it'll also provide the collector a piece that can gain in value in perpetuity. So like right now it might be worth a hundred dollars, but like, let's say I post on TikTok tomorrow, like Cooper Allen and I go from 400,000 followers to 7 million. I become more famous. I become more well-known in modern, in like in the modern yeah. culture, that limited piece of that you spent a hundred dollars on is now going to be more in demand because sure. I am more popular. I am more like, known in the in the in culture so you can potentially make money off of your favorite artist no that you makes know? so much yeah because yeah. the person i was talking yeah. to the other day said uh yeah it's like essentially if you invested in drake right he put exactly. out like five song demo and you're like yeah. i'm gonna buy and you can you're able to buy one of his songs or you know you invest in the song and now you own this one song that drake had written you know early on and now he's where he is 
you have all the rights and everything to that song, essentially, right? If you That's buy right. it, depending on the contract. And then you can come out and say, okay, I have this unreleased Drake song and then that I own and nobody else has access to, then people can be like, well, I want to hear it. I want that. I want that. And then they can come to you and now your thing's worth, you could sell it to whoever for X amount of money, right? Is that essentially where it's going? It is. So like, for example, like, you know, somebody like, um, like Rihanna, for example, I heard a really good example a few weeks back from this artist called Blau. Uh, he's a DJ uh, uh-huh. who's really, uh, really involved in the space. Um, he he did he uh, did a good uh, explained a good analogy um, or an example where I don't know if you remember when iTunes first dropped, uh-huh. um, they gave out like free iTunes downloads. Yeah, Do remember that? Yeah. So so one of them was Ponder Replay which is oh, Rihanna's wow. yeah, first yeah. ever single. major hit, right? Yes. And so they did a limited amount of free downloads. So they said, Hey, we're giving out these free downloads to, to like the first thousand people that hit download on this song. Imagine if you can tokenize that iTunes single that, that was free from Rihanna, her first ever single. Imagine the value of that token today. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. It would be worth, it would be worth thousands of dollars yeah, right. because it's, as it was scarce, there was only a limited amount of free downloads and it was Rihanna's first ever single on iTunes. Imagine if you were able to tokenize that and call it yours. And uh-huh. so that's kind of like what we're doing now. Like artists all over the place, like all over the world are, are able now to tokenize anything. They could tokenize an iPhone recording on their phone that, of like when you created a song like years uh-huh. ago. Um, imagine if Adele had the work tape, like meaning the iPhone memo of like when she came up with the idea of never mind, I'll find someone like you. The, yeah. And then that's it. She's like, oh, I like that. I like that. Let's record that. Imagine if she had that studio recording on her phone she can tokenize that voice memo and, and, and list it as, an, as a limited NFT, like a collection of like 50 or, or 100 or 1,000, meaning that only 50 people or 100 people or 1,000 people all over the world will own that limited collection of Adele's iPhone work tape of when she came so up with crazy. someone like you. Yeah, and you could do anything. You could do a picture of a, of a coffee cup. You could right. do, uh, I've seen people take a picture of a house and and say hey if you buy this nft of this picture of a house you not only get this nft but you also receive the title of the house and you can and you get to buy the house so it's like virtual real estate that's so crazy like you can do anything that's the beauty of the blockchain and so uh i'm kind of like coming up with cool new things to uh, moving forward to tokenize my music and uh give back to my fans and have them not only become fans but now they're investors slash collectors you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and with that, like if you were going to tokenize something, does that cost you money or is it a percentage taken by a com- whatever company you go through? Say it again. Sorry, I didn't understand. Uh, like it's, you just said like, okay, you have a song. If Adele would have tokenized, you know, someone like you, a voice memo. When yeah. she does that, does, do you, does it cost you money? Do you, do you have to pay in to put your song up, like to tokenize it? Yeah, they're small. I mean, they're small, like creator fees. You know, okay. that these platforms charge um, as well as uh, whenever you uh, deploy a smart contract, which is a it's it still sounds Japanese to a lot of people. But uh, on the blockchain, there's uh, 
uh, a mechanism called a smart contract. Um, and so uh, whenever you deploy it, there's just a small blockchain fee for uh, to making it go live. That's Got pretty it. much it. But once it's live, then it's, it. it's, it's available to, to everybody out there. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Like I learned yeah. so much and like, this is such a cool, like new way of obviously like now you're the complete, you're in charge and you own it all and you don't need the major label or the funding or all the other stuff, you know, with, within this, this world now it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. There's so much to learn. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, Again, Twitter's your best friend. I mean, hop on there and hop in these chat rooms and don't be afraid to ask questions. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. You might find me in there as well. Come say hello. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One more quick yeah. question. You kind of just answered it there, but hey, uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Absolutely. Um, just do everything and anything. Don't be afraid to try new things. Um, use all these platforms that are given to you. Um, because I, I look at all these platforms like, uh, like, a, like a free lottery. Like you don't even have to go to a gas station and pay anything. You can just like get creative, post a video. And like, you're literally one video away from like creating a career. Um, that's kind of what I did. You know, I, I see reels and TikTok and all these short form video platforms, uh, as a free lottery. And so I'm posting like two to three times a day, you know, just kind of rolling, you know, rolling the dice you know, and, uh, I've seen incredible growth from them. So, uh, if that's something that you want that as a creator, you're wanting to do just post like crazy and don't get disheartened by the, by the views, you know, just keep posting and posting and posting be persistent and it'll pay off. 